Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. If you are a guest with us, if you are new, if you didn't on the way in get a uh, Lord's Supper uh, thingy, I was like, I don't know what, I don't even know what to call it. All right, so cup, there you go. Uh, so uh, if you'll raise your hand, there's a couple that have got them. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together at the end of service today. And so please, even if you're a guest, if you're a believer, we would love for you to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. So raise your hands and they'll get you those. Also, uh, quick housekeeping, but super, super important. If you were here last week, um, we uh, had a hu- 114 children to be sponsored uh, for our church in Leon, Nicaragua that we helped plant. Uh, and uh, we had 114 children to sponsor at the beginning of the day. Uh, we already sponsor 163 children there, but we had 114 more. And uh, that's a pretty big order uh, considering we already have that many. But I am pleased to announce we had all, every single child sponsored by the end of the service. So yeah. That's huge. It's huge. I mean, when I called the Compassion people, they were like, really? And I was like, yeah. And so, I mean, in those exact high squeaky voices, uh, that's exactly how it sounded. And so I, I'm just, I, let, stop for a moment. Let me pass you for a moment. I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of our church. I am so proud of its generosity. I am so proud that the gospel is not something that stops with us. I am so proud that we are the type of church that really and truly is about reaching, helping, and connecting people to Jesus. It's not just a vision statement. It's who we are. It's how we live our lives. And so I'm proud of you. Way to go. Keep it up. Keep it up. I mean, great things are happening at River Valley. And so uh, you can be turning your Bibles to Isaiah 58. Uh, We're going to turn for these next two weeks and getting ready and prepared for Easter. What does what do we need to do to have our minds, our hearts spiritually to be prepared for Easter? And so that's what we're going to do. Uh, uh, many of you, you grew up in, a, if you do, grew up in a traditional mainline church, uh, grew up celebrating Lent. Lent is the 40 days uh, before Easter. And so not, not all uh, uh, denominations do that. Uh, and so I have a friend, we were in college, and um, he, he, he was my friend, so he's just a normal guy, right? And all of a sudden, he started dating a beautiful, beautiful girl. Like, we were thoroughly impressed and slightly jealous. Uh, I mean, she was, she was not just beautiful. I mean, she was, like, so far out of his league, and we were like, how is this working? There is a God. He helps. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, you know, it was, it was something special. So anyway, uh, they knew each other in high school, so they had reconnected in college. Anyway, so he grew up Church of Christ. Um, Church of Christ doesn't, doesn't do Lent and definitely doesn't do Ash Wednesday. And so Ash Wednesday is the start of Lent. Uh, in mainline churches, they will burn the, the palm leaves from Palm Sunday the year before. Those ashes, the, the, the priest or the preacher will, will get some on his thumb, and he will make the sign of the cross on the forehead. And it's a signifying of starting Lent, because that's the starting of the Holy Week that Jesus walked in. 
So she was Catholic. And uh, so when he saw her uh, and she had a, you make the sign of a cross, but it usually doesn't come out quite like a cross if you've ever seen anyone. They wear it that day. When he saw her, he assumed she had dirt on her forehead. And uh, he looked in here, he goes, come here. And rubbed it off. And and, uh, that was the end of the beautiful girlfriend. Uh, That was it. That was all. And so it was like this great moment. And so, so that is an example of how not to start and get ready for Lent or Easter. And so, but what do we do? So today we're going to talk about fasting, about what fasting looks like and, and how it can prepare us for what God has. Now, if you've never been around fasting, if you've never done, uh, this, this is the premier text in the Bible that teaches us uh, how to fast, what to do. And, but listen to me, don't check out because the results are at the end. We're going to talk about what fasting can do in our lives. And it really is a supernatural thing. And so how can we uh, get ready? Also, uh, for those of you who are note takers, like this is a great sermon for, I mean, it is like point, point, point. All right. So uh, some of you are just like, you geek out over that. You're welcome. Here we go. All right. So uh, Isaiah 58 is where we're going to be. And we're going to be coming back to the text two or three times. So uh, Isaiah 58 verse one, cry out loudly. Don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression in the house of Jacob, their sins. They seek me day after day. They delight to know my ways like a nation that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their God. They ask me for righteous judgment. They delight in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted, but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. Look, you do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all of your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. Will the fast I choose be like this, a day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed, and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Uh, Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? So uh, go back one. I want to talk about, let me make sure that we understand what fasting is, what we're talking about. Let me give you a definition of fasting. Fasting is purposely avoiding the natural to concentrate and invite the supernatural. So purposely avoiding uh, I had a pastor friend in college, and every once in a while we would, uh, you know, like at the end of the month, you wouldn't have enough money, uh, or this was in seminary, you wouldn't have enough money to buy, and somebody would always go, quick, call it a fast and get some credit. All right, that's not it. All right, so it, it's purposeful. It's purposeful. I'm purposely going without something that's natural. Why? So I can concentrate and invite the supernatural, and invite the presence of God. Now, the natural thing that we think about, and, and the, the one that is most understood, is food. The natural, we need food to eat. So I go without food and use that time and that energy to concentrate on God. So we're going to walk through some other ways. But this is what fasting is. And so uh, to be able to invite God's presence into our life, to concentrate on him uh, so that we can have Uh, so that we can hear from him on Easter. Now, the verses I just read to you uh, list out the wrong way to fast. That's what we're going to talk about first, the wrong way to fast. In other words, um, you can't just go without some food and then just call it a fast and it's a day. So the Bible is very specific in this text. There are some things that uh, that you should not do um, in in doing this. So number one, he says, uh, you don't acknowledge sin. 
You don't acknowledge sin. You're not fasting correctly when you don't start out with your need for God and sin. Listen, we, we haven't lived in a world that is, is strangely changing and we don't know how it's going to end. I mean, COVID is still among us, but now we've got Russia, we've got war, we've got, we've got some things on the horizon that we don't understand. But the, the biggest uh, uh, we are looking at, um, I, I saw the other day, um, there's, a, there's a fertilizer shortage. Uh, 20% of all the fertilizer in the world comes from Russia. Uh, and uh, you're like, well, how does that affect us? Well, without fertilizer, at least doubles crops. So there's a, a possible famine coming for large parts of the world. Do you know the biggest need in the world today is not more food. It's not less war or peace. The biggest need is forgiveness of sins, period. Throughout generations, the biggest need for the world is forgiveness of sins, and only Jesus Christ offers that. Only Jesus Christ offers forgiveness of sins. So when we fast, the first thing that we do is we come before a holy God and we acknowledge our sin. We tell him, here is who I am without you. Here's what I've been doing, thinking. Here's the, the ways that I've not, or the things that I've not been doing that I should. And we acknowledge that sin. And, and uh, the Bible says, he says, tell them their transgressions. Tell the house of Jacob their sins. So you can't just fast but not acknowledge your sins. Number two, you can't fast to get stuff versus connect with God. Did you, read in, did you hear in the text in verse 3, they're like, how come we fast and nothing happens? I mean, how come we're, here we are going without food, and you're not doing anything? They're, they, they're treating Jesus like the great Santa Claus in the sky. And, uh, you, you know, like, gimme, 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 want, want, want. And, and if you fast, then he's got to do it, because, wow, I'm sure he's so impressed that you missed a meal. And you, that's not what we're doing when we're fasting. We're not making some sort of transaction with God where I don't have food, so you owe me something. It's not to get stuff, it's to get God. It's to connect with Jesus. And when we fast, now there are some results that he's going to talk about, and they're spectacular. But the ultimate result that we want is a closeness and a connection with Jesus Christ as Lord. And so we have to be careful about how we do that. He lists some um, uh, ways that we uh, sin and what we need to get rid of. He talks about uh, you pressure workers, you contention, strife, fighting, finger pointing, malicious speech. He'll talk about it in a second. But all of these ways, okay, sin keeps me from God, fasting brings me back, and then I concentrate on God, and then God forgives my sins. That's what we're doing here. Number three, don't fast just to not eat without a spiritual component. So we concentrate on God, we connect with God, but there's got to be a spiritual component of, of uh, time specifically. The biggest ingredient in fasting is time. It's not food or lack of food, it's time. Think about these people. Every meal was home cooked. Every single one. Even when we home cook something, someone has already churned the butter. Someone has already ground the flour. Someone has already, uh, you know, butchered the cow or, or whatever it is. I mean, that's still, that's, but they had to do all of that. Can you imagine if you don't have to do any of that, how much time you save? And they had family, especially at night, which for many people was the only big meal of the day. They had big family-style meals where they sat around for hours together. So if you don't have to cook and you don't have to be around that kind of uh, big family-oriented meal for, for a time, can you imagine how much time you have? And that time is time that you now 
turn and purposely seek after Christ. So that's the biggest area. So I think one of the things that, that is very uh, reasonable for you and I to think about in fasting is, is how we spend time, uh, our discretionary time. How we, you know, we spend time on, on social media. We spend time in front of screens. Melinda and I, we always have, uh, or we try to have one, usually a TV show that we're watching together. And so, uh, but we watch on like Netflix and, and uh, Amazon Prime, you know, the way God intended. Uh, you're right, with, without commercials. And, and like, it, this, the, the whole thing is wrapped up. And so, but every once in a while, now some of you are going to really resonate with uh, me on this. So, you, so here's what happens. So you decide to watch um, uh, a, a TV show. And so we'll start watching it, but you know, once the, 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 the episode ends, it'll just start a new episode. Well, it's got a feature in there that it wants to make sure you didn't fall asleep or just walk away. So every once in a while, your TV will guilt you and it will say, hey, are you still watching? And you have to click yes. And that is your TV going, Dude, don't you think you should take a break? I mean, go for a walk. Talk to your wife. Five hours of TV. This is your TV telling you you're watching too much TV. And uh, I have seen that sign multiple times, to be honest with you. And, you know, if, if the entertainment industry is telling me, dude, that's enough. All right? Like, I need to focus on something else for a while. And so that's what we do when we fast. We, we give God some time. We, we purposely seek after him in our, in our, with our Bible and with prayer and with concentrated effort. It's not just not eating. It's spending time that we would be eating, especially, and, and, and that moment that you feel hunger, that moment where your, your stomach rumbles is the moment that you say, God, you feel that? I feel that. I want to have that spiritually for you. I want to have a spiritual hunger for you, where if I go a day without Jesus, if I miss a quiet time, if I, if I miss church on Sunday, there's a, a, a rumbling in my spirit that says, no, 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 I need the nourishment that only comes from Jesus Christ. So that's the wrong way to fast, three ways. So what's the right way to fast or the fast that God chooses? Verses 6 and 7. Isn't this the fast I choose? To break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and the homeless into your house, and to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? So, verse 6 has one big idea, and one, verse 7 has one big idea. The ver big idea of verse 6 is that we overcome sin. God desires for us not to only uh, uh, tell him or confess sin, but in verse 6 it says God desires for us through fasting that we can actually break sin's hold in our life. That we cannot have to sin anymore. And it gives us three metaphors or three illustrations for this. So let me make sure and see them because they're all different. First he says you can break the chains of wickedness. Now, all of us are under, uh, uh, all of us are familiar, if you're familiar with church, of the idea of uh, sin being like you're in prison. You've, you've put yourself in your own prison, that you're addicted to this sin, that you have to do this sin. Uh, and, and so we understand that kind of idea of jail or prison. But when they heard this word, what they would have understood was a deeper, darker prison. See, they had, they had jail, or they had jail cells like we do today, I mean, with, with bars and everything. But what they also had was for the worst criminals was at the back of the jail, they would put them in a cell, but not only would they put them in a cell, they would bind them to the wall. 
They would chain them to the wall with their feet and with their hands. And so they were in a cell and they were, they were chained. So the, the Bible says, not only can I set you free from prison, but even if you are way in prison, even if you are horrible, even if you are uh, uh, unbelievably addicted, unbelievably caught in sin, I can break you out of that jail. I can break you out of prison where, the, where you're chained in, where you think there's no overcoming. This is good news for those of you who have a sin that you think is out of control, that you think you've tried to quit, that you think there's no way that I can get through this thing. And the Bible says specifically, I can break those chains. I can get rid of that in your life. Even if you are caught up so strongly and you've tried to quit and you are addicted so much that you can't make a day without this sin, Jesus says, I can break those chains. I am a chain-breaking, freedom-giving God. And it's not just about being a little bit in jail. We'll talk about that in a second. It's about being all the way in the back where the serial killers are, where the people who are the worst of the worst are. And there are some of us that we are addicted at that level. And Jesus says, I can break that chain. That's who I am. That's what I do. Secondly, he says, I can uh, set the, uh, we're going to do them in a little bit reversed order. He said, I can set the oppressed free. This is regular jail. Now, the problem with regular jail is you think, well, at least I'm not in the bad jail. Uh, you, you know, I'm only in jail. I'm not in prison, uh, right? And so the problem with some of us in our sin is that we think, well, you know, at least I'm not in the back that's chained up. But I'm still I'm still oppressed. I'm still, uh, I'm still in prison. I'm still in a prison myself. I remember experiencing this uh, early on. I was just starting to live for Christ. I was in college, and uh, I went to a retreat. And uh, one night we were going to take uh, the Lord's Supper. And uh, I remember uh, seeing there were several people up at the front that were serving uh, the Lord's Supper. And I remember very quickly choosing the line that I was going to be going to because uh, she was nice looking. And uh, so I, I was like, that's the person right there. And then, and then I was sort of psyching myself up like, you know, I don't know how you meet someone during a service, you know, Lord's Supper or look cool like, hey, how you doing? I, I don't know, but that was what in my mind was going for. So I'm walking up, trying to be confident, about to take the Lord's Supper. And, and uh, you hold out your hands, but I'm, I'm trying to make eye contact, you know. I'm, I've got to find a wife, guys. I'm losing my hair, okay? And so it's, it's a big deal. This is, and so I, I'm looking at her. All of a sudden, I feel, a, I feel a, 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 like a prick on my finger, and I look down, and she has a nail, and she, she hits my hand like that, and she said, Christ died for your sins. And the Lord convicted me. Oh, you are so enamored with with, uh, you know, finding a date, finding a wife. You, you're, you're totally missing the moment that I have created for you. And Jesus came to set the oppressed free. Jesus came so that we wouldn't be like, ah, jail's not that bad. It's no big deal. Jesus came to forgive our sins, and he had to die on the cross for those sins. And sometimes we minimalize those because they're not as bad as the serial killers of the world. But Jesus came, and I'll never forget that, man, her hitting me with that hand, with that nail, and just, I'm sorry, Lord. I, don't, I, I, want, I know if I will focus on you that every good thing that you have for me will come in time. 
But if I focus on the good things, then I'll search after them all my life. And even worse, I'll find some of them and I'll find how empty they are without Jesus, without Jesus' giving. So Jesus comes and he, uh, in, in fasting, he helps us to set uh, the oppressed free. Second, uh, thirdly, he gives us in this, uh, in, in breaking sin, he gives two different uh, or two different ways to look at the same illustration. It's a yoke. It's a yoke of an oxen. Uh, and so, uh, for that one, I want you to think about, think about uh, being a big cow. Uh, and so, you're a big cow. And, uh, and so, there you go. So, look at the person next to you. You're a big cow. I'm a big cow. And so, uh, I didn't even think about how that was going to play out. Uh, so <laughs> I really didn't. Um, and so, but, but there's, 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 um, there's a farm and a ranch. But you're on the farm. The farm cow has, an, has a yoke put on them, and they are dragging uh, a plow behind them to plow a field. And it is now midday, and it is hot. And, the, and then the, the uh, farmer's behind them with a whip telling them, go on. And, and they don't get to do what the, they want to do. They have to go and, and plow and work hard. And then you look over, and right in the next field over is not a farm, but a ranch. And so the rancher, he just, he's got, he's got Bob Wire up, so he just lets his cattle run free. And they eat when they want to eat. And come midday, you watch cattle, they find shade. And they go, and they find some shade, and they lay down in the shade, and they take a nice nap, and then when it gets cooled off in the evening, they get back up, and they play around again. Which one would you rather be? And Jesus says, when we are caught up in sin, we are that, are that ox, we are that bull that is, or, or that cow that is pulling, and, and we, are, we, are, we are being told where to go, and we are being forced and there's freedom right on the other side. There is freedom right there where you go and you can take a nap and you can eat. And he's saying, that's what I want for you. See, Jesus isn't only about, and the thing that I think we get messed up with in Christianity is we think, you know, God is like, oh, good, you got saved. Here are the rules. No, God is like, oh, good, you got saved. Go free. Have freedom. Enjoy freedom in Christ. And so it's not about what you can and what you can't do. All of a sudden it's about, oh, I can roam. I can live the way that God intended me for. And that's what Jesus wants to do with breaking us. Secondly, he says in verse 7, he says it's, uh, we ought to fast to share. To share. He says, he said we should give uh, the hungry uh, our bread. We should give the poor and homeless, invite them in. We should give uh, our, our clothes uh, to those who don't have any. We should share. We should give. We should house. We should feed those around us. And so, so oftentimes um, uh, what I'll do when I'm fasting is, is uh, if I miss a, a meal, uh, and I would, you know, you know, a lot of times uh, I go out at lunch. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I'm like, okay, well, what would I, what would I uh, you know, pay for lunch that day? Okay, that's, that's money that I'll watch for an opportunity uh, for God to, to supernaturally uh, give that to somebody. That's, so uh, I know people that do this all the time. And so look for opportunities. But then he also says, don't ignore your own flesh and blood. It's also for, in, in sharing, it's also for reconnecting in relationships. 
Don't, don't uh, you know, if you've, got, if you've got some severed relationships, if you've got some, some tension in the home or with some extended family. Now, that's two people. Uh, so, so a relationship is two people. So you might reach out to them and they might say, oh, I don't want it. That, that's different. What we're talking about here, though, is you're trying. Is that you're reconnecting with people. This is the type of fast that God wants. When we do away with food for a time, or we do away with electronics, and we concentrate on him, he begins to break chains. He begins to break bondage, set us free. He begins to give us grace to share with others. He begins to restore relationships within uh, people around us. And then, let's look at the results in uh, beginning in verse 8. Then, now... Uh, a couple times he's going to say if in this text. So watch, it's, it's very conditional here. It's very, very conditional. You have to do this right to experience the results, but the results are overwhelmingly amazing. So, then your light will appear like the dawn. Your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you. The Lord's glory will be your rear, rear guard. At, this, at that time, when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he'll say, here I am. He will get rid of, if you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and the malicious speaking, if you offer yourself to the hungry to satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night uh, will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you. He will satisfy you in a parched land. He will strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden and a spring whose water never runs out. Some of you will restore or rebuild the ancient ruins. Uh, you will store the foundations laid long ago. You'll be called the repair of broken walls, the restore of streets where people live. If you keep from desecrating the Sabbath, from doing whatever you want on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own way, seeking your own pleasure or, taking, uh, or talking business, then you will delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride over the heights of the land and let you enjoy the heritage of your father Jacob for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I find it amazing. And it's such a picture of the grace of God. He's like, if you will do these things. And there's just a few. And then he goes on for, for verse after verse after verse after verse of what he will do. So it's the grace of God through all of this. But it really is an overwhelming text. He says, he says you'll quickly, first of all, he says in verse 8, you'll quickly recover. There are people in this room that were chained on the inner chains of the darkest prison in addiction, in sin, in hopelessness, and they are free in Christ. And Jesus says, that can be you. He says, I can do that for you. You'll, you'll quickly, quickly recover. The, the Lord's light will go before you. Sin's power, sin's consequences uh, will, will uh, begin to diminish in your life and in your relationship. Secondly, in verse 9, he says, you'll cry out and the Lord will answer. Here's, here's what I think is amazing about Easter. Easter is that reminder of the fact that God not only loves you, that God not only sets you free, that God forgives you of sins, but God is, is um, intimately available and desirous of being in your life right now. God wants to speak to you. God has a plan for your life. He has new directions to give you. He has encouragement where you have doubts. He has wisdom where you don't know what to do. God has provisions where you don't feel like you have enough. Jesus has so much for you. But unfortunately, some of us, all we ever hear from God, because we get, we come back to church for a little bit, and God convicts us of sin, and we work on that, and then we kind of fall off, and then we come back to church, and God convicts us of sin, and then we kind of fall off. All you ever hear from 
from God is, hey, we need to work on your sin. And you think that that's all that God's about. No, God will not work around your sin. He'll always work through your sin. But if you will use this text for him to deal with your sin, guess what? He's got a fresh word for you. That's not all he says. That's not the way he communicates. He just refuses to let sin sit there in your life. Once sin is overcome, guess what? He will answer. You call out. He has something to say to you, something new and unique that you've never heard before. Many times you'll ask him a question and he will give you an answer, but it's not to the question you asked. Uh, You're like, oh, that's a, that's a better question. Thanks, Jesus. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much he does this for me. I love it. I love it. He has something for you. But you've got to walk through the process. Let him deal with your sin first. That's why we're doing this two weeks before Easter. So you deal with that sin, and then let's hear a fresh word come Easter and the weeks after. So let's deal with this now. I remember uh, that same retreat that I'm, I'm talking about uh, when I was in college. The very first night... Um, we were sitting in round tables and they said, all of you have a number uh, on your, on your uh, card. Go find the person with the same number. And so you went and you found this person and they said, that's your prayer partner for the week. Introduce yourself. I said, hi, I'm Cody. I was living for the Lord just a couple weeks. So I was like super Jesus-y excited. Uh, yeah, you know, those, those, those people. And I, I was, I mean, I was like, oh, I'm so excited to be here. And my, my prayer partner looked at me and he goes, I don't want to be here. And he goes, my grandparents, they pay for my college. And they said, if I, wanted to, if, they, if I wanted to continue to go to college, I had to go to this thing. I don't want to be here. And I was like, yeah, I got a bad prayer partner. Oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Anybody want to switch prayer partners? Yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, and uh, I'm all excited. And he's all, yeah. I mean, he was the whole week. And I was like, hey, turn that frown upside down, buddy. It was, it was not good. Um, so what, what was amazing about that weekend is because I went in that way, and I, was re- I, I had already been dealing with quite a bit of sin in my life um, from before I came to Christ. I was working, I mean, I was, God, man, very first session, very first night, God speaking to me. That's, that's one of the first times that God began to talk to me about ministry. And, I, I, oh my God, you know, I never thought about that. That was not, you know, career options, you know. I, I never thought about that. And uh, God began to speak to me. and talk. It was amazing. It was a wonderful weekend. Not him. I mean, the whole weekend, you know, like this. Last night, during the same service that we were having the Lord's Supper, which was the very last, very last night, very last thing uh, that we did, and I watched him break down, and I watched God break through, and I watched God begin to show him some things in his life. And that's wonderful, and that's great, but it's also horrible because he missed out on three days where God could have been speaking to him the whole time. Now, Late is better than never, but early is better than late. Wouldn't you agree? And, and if we really and truly will take what, we're, what, we're, what I'm saying, what the Bible's saying to heart, we can have one of those moments where like God's going to do this. God's going to work through. God's going to break through in our lives. But if we will take it in this moment, he's gotta, he really does have a fresh word for you. He has something new and different and unique for you. The last one he says, I'm going to highlight, he says, the Lord will lead you. He'll satisfy you in a parched land. Some of you have decisions on the horizon. You need the Lord's leadership. Decisions aren't, uh, you know, whether I should sin or not sin. You you know, but decisions are A and B, and they both look good. And and neither one of them is, you know, uh, godly versus not godly. You, You don't know. What are you supposed to do in that situation? 
for my, my wife and I, we're, we're a few months away uh, from being empty nesters, a whole different stage of life. We need, the God, we need God to lead us because we've never been in this place before. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. We need God lead us, Jesus. Show us how to be uh, fruitful and faithful in this season because we're going to have more time than ever uh, before. We, we, you know, we're not going to have as many children responsibilities. Once they get out of school, uh, we're going to have way, way more money. Frankly, we're going to be rich. Uh, I mean, like... <laughs> They cost so much money. And, and uh, so, you, you know, like, you're, I mean, seriously, you're going to, like, Daddy Warbucks, like, Scrooge McDuck, rich. And uh, what am I going to, what we're we supposed to do with all this money, you know? There's, there's questions that the Lord needs to answer in our lives. And he says, I'll, I'll lead you in that. I'll show, I'll, I'll satisfy you if you will seek after me. And so, I realize when I designed this, this, uh, this sermon how ironic it would be to say, let's talk about fasting, you know, and what we should do, and then go, all right, let's eat. All right, that, that's, that's ironic, isn't it, that we're going to have the Lord's Supper at the end of, of a sermon on fasting. But I think it's a good reminder because, because fasting is a way to connect with God. Any of the results that we talk about here really aren't because of fasting. They're about Jesus, can, being able to connect with Jesus. So Jesus in his blood, Jesus in his sacrifice, Jesus in his resurrection are the only way that any of these things are possible. Fasting is just a, a, an attempt on our end to connect with those resources that are available in Jesus Christ. And so today, if you are here and, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, the biggest problem that you have, regardless of what you think, is sin. Is sin that is concentrated on your life. Sin that is uh, worthy of retribution by God. You have sinned against a holy God. And the only way to get rid of sin, even if you were to start living perfect from here on out, which you can't, but even if you could, what are you going to do with the past sin? What are you going to do with all those consequences? Jesus came to be crucified on the cross for your sin, for my sin, past, present, and future. Jesus came to cleanse us to, uh, from all unrighteousness. And so today, please don't make the mistake of, I'm going to try this new thing, fasting, and that's going to make me right with God. That's not true. Absolutely not true. Jesus is the only way to the Father. And his gospel, his, his sacrifice for us is the only way. So today, if you've never asked Christ to be the Lord of your life, then I'm going to invite you to do that. If you are a believer, I'm going to lead you to, to think about and to confess your sin. The Bible says that we ought to look into our hearts before we take this. So I'm going to invite you right where you are. Go ahead and keep the lights on, please, but bow your heads for just a moment. And we're going to, we're going to pray, and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. So if you're not a believer today, think through some sin. What you say, what you think, where you go. What you don't do that you know is right. The attitudes of your heart that no one knows. Those are sins on our life. If you are a believer, I want you to try to clarify with the Holy Spirit right now. What is your biggest sin? What is the thing 
that is, is most prevalent, the most prevalent sin in your life. For some of us, it might be that things are going really well, but we're arrogant and proud. As if, as if look at what I have done versus the grace of God that has given you these things. If that's you, then oftentimes what you do is you look to other people who don't have those things and you are haughty. You think, well, if they were like me. For some of it, it's, we, 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 God has continued to bless us uh, financially, but we, we steal. We are thieves. The Bible says uh, they, that we steal from God when we do not bring and return the tithes and the offerings to Him. And every raise, you raise the standard of living, but you never raise the standard of giving. For some, perhaps it's a priority issue. You say Jesus is Lord, but you put everything else in front of him, including, you know, for people our age, a lot of times children's activities, and then you squeeze God in. Versus putting the Jesus piece in and working the entire rest of your life and your calendar around the deep things of God. Maybe I haven't touched on it at all. Those are just the three that the Lord led me to this morning. Those aren't you. He's, he's going to show you. So now if you're a non-believer, you have sin. If we, are, if we as believers, we still acknowledge our sin. The, uh, the, the um, cure is the same. So I'm going to invite you to pray to Jesus for forgiveness of sins. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. God, we thank you that you forgive sin. That you break the chains of, of bondage. God, for those who are without Christ, I pray for their salvation. I pray that they would call out to you right now, Jesus, to be Lord. You can do that. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Jesus, I pray that they would see your gospel. That you died on the cross for their, for your, uh, for their sins, for our sins. That you were buried and that you were resurrected. Jesus, I pray that your resurrection power would be evident in breaking addictions, breaking strongholds. Loose the chains of the wicked for your glory. God, we want to be free. We want to be in the pasture that you have for us, living the life that you have for us. We thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.